All right, our series is called Alive with Christ, Discovering Our Spiritual Riches in Ephesians. And we're now in chapter three. I gotta warn you, uh, chapter three is one of those chapters where you wanna take it in chunks. I mean, Paul's a big thinker. And speaking of big thinking, I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, There's a movement today, and they think that they're big thinkers. There's a movement today that seems profound and deep and like you're a big thinker if you go that direction. And the bottom line of that deep thinking, so so-called deep thinking, is that God has saved some people because he's chosen them to be saved. And then other people have no hope because they were not chosen. Now, the reason I bring this up as a a deep thinking point is because today we're actually going to encounter the true depth of the gospel. You know, when Paul speaks in Ephesians 3, he speaks in chunks, and you got to take it in in three or four sentences at a time. But when you do, oh my goodness, you start to see the deep and profound meaning of the true gospel, and it certainly ain't that God went down the city street and said, I pick you, but not you. I pick you, but not you. That is not the gospel. There is a greater truth, a deeper truth, and actually a more profound truth that brings everybody together, and we're about to see it. It's going to be right there. In fact, Paul even says, if you read this passage, he literally says, if you read what I'm telling you, then you will be able to discern the mystery and it will be revealed. So look forward to some deep, deep thoughts from the Apostle Paul about what the real gospel actually is. All right, Paul says this, verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. All right, two things. Paul is a prisoner. He doesn't mean that uh, Christ is keeping him captive or something. He's talking about literally being in jail. Remember, most scholars think that he wrote this uh, letter from jail, most likely in Rome. And so he's a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. That's what he's communicating to us. He's been locked up because he's sharing the gospel. Now, why would would the Romans care about a ragtag group of people, you know, running around talking about Jesus? Well, just remember what the Roman emperor is saying about himself. He's saying that he's God. The Roman emperor is claiming to be a deity. I mean, that's part of the belief system in Roman civilization. They've got the emperor on their coins, on their money, and they're looking to him as a deity. And so someone comes along that won't bow to the emperor. Someone comes along and won't proclaim that he's God. Well, then you get locked up. At least your leaders get locked up. And that's exactly what's happened to Paul. Now, the second thing I want you to notice, it's not a little thing, folks. It's in verse 1. It's tucked away. You could miss it. But I want you to see these two words, you Gentiles. All right. Now, why is that such a big deal? Because if you've been tracking with us for two chapters, oh my goodness, this is a big deal. Because Paul is saying we were predestined, we We were predestined, we were chosen, and then he says, you also 
Remember that? Ephesians 1 and 2, he says, we were chosen, we were predestined, and then he turns to his reader and he says, you also, and it's a you plural. You hear that? In Texas, we say, y'all, right? So let me put it in Texan for our West Texas campus and for our Dallas campus. Let's put it in good old Texan. We were chosen and y'all also were predestined. Y'all also were chosen. Y'all also, when you heard the gospel and believed, y'all also were sealed with the Holy Spirit. All right, so Ephesians 1 and 2 has a we and a y'all, and that's very important, right? So now we're seeing the y'all again, but the catch is he's defined it in your face. You get to see who the y'all is right here. Who's the y'all? Y'all Gentiles and we Jews, and y'all Gentiles and we Jews, So here's the message of predestination. We Jews were chosen. We Jews were called to this. We Jews were predestined. But guess what, Ephesians? You too, y'all too, were predestined, chosen, and called to this gospel. And not only that, the Galatians and the Philippians and the Thessalonians. And I, Paul, was put in charge of revealing this mystery and sending out this message to the Greeks and the Romans and the non-Jews. And I don't care what my buddies think of me. This is my mission. Now, what you just heard is the true meaning of predestination. How do we get to the other meaning? The wrong meaning? All you got to do is change y'all to you singular. As soon as you change y'all to you singular, as if it's written just to you, then you end up with the mistake of individual selection. But God was not running around saying, I'll pick you but not you and you but not you. He's saying, I pick all y'all. Can I say all y'all? I'm pretty sure in Texas I can say all y'all. And that's what Paul was saying. All y'all Ephesians and all y'all Romans and all y'all Galatians, all y'all, come on in. Jesus told it in a parable. He said, let's have a wedding feast. Go and invite all your friends. Oh, wait, they won't come? Okay, go out into the street and invite anyone you find, Jesus says. What a beautiful picture of this yeehaw gospel. Because I'm telling you, it is inviting and exciting and anyone and everyone can believe. And so Paul is excited from verse 1 saying, all y'all Gentiles, I'm for you. My mission is for you. Now, verse 2, he says, if indeed you've heard about me, I mean, have you heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you? Now, the key words there are for you. Don't doubt. I know I'm Jewish, he might say. I know I'm Jewish, and you think that I have a gospel for the Jews. But I'm telling you, God gave me a stewardship. He made me steward over this message, and it's for you, plural. And so they can be excited because the Son of Man has been lifted up, and now all people are being drawn in. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Bam. 
That's the gospel, not individual selection. So watch out for the movement that has its own set of terms, you know, its own terminology with books that are 600 pages long, teaching you a whole new set of vocabulary to, quote, understand the scriptures. No, we understand the scriptures with the scriptures. We interpret in context. We look at words like you, which are plural. We look at who you is referring to, which is the Gentiles. We look at whole chapters, not at single sentences. And we certainly don't pull that Nigerian scam, you know, the one that got started in 1955 or something, where they write you a letter and say, you have won And now you're going to be a billionaire because a Nigerian king has left you an inheritance and you start weeping because you have been picked. No, no, no. Don't fall for it. The emails say your bank account's been shut down. Click here. The fishing expeditions online tell you you've been chosen individually. You're special and you're going to hit it big. Don't hit that button. Don't interpret it that way. And likewise, when we look at this message, it is written to all of the Ephesians and, in fact, all of the Romans and all of the Galatians and all of the Gentiles and all of the humans on this planet, we get invited in in a beautiful way. Paul's been given the stewardship. Verse 3 says that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. So he wrote before about it and he was real short on it. Today he's not going to be short. Today you want the real deep message? Well, look at Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 together as a lump sum and he's spelling it out. Here it is. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. All right, so do you hear what he's saying? He's saying there's a mystery in here. He's going to make it easy. Thank God he makes it easy in a minute because we are sheep. I'm telling you, we are not that bright, we humans. And so he's made it simple in the verses to come. But what he's saying is, I wrote you before. Remember that short little letter I wrote you? about how you guys get to be in? Well, now I'm writing you again. It's not so brief, but it's still about how you guys get to be in. And if you will refer back to my letter and this letter, then together you will start to understand this mystery that's now revealed. That's what he's saying. So we know enough because we got the whole New Testament. We know where he's going, but let's let him get there. Verse 5, which in other generations, what generations? Well, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his apostles and the prophets in the spirit. All right? So use your thinking cap here. Whatever predestination is, it's in the Old Testament. Pause to think about that. Whatever it is, it's in the Old Testament. They didn't understand it. They had blinders on. It was not revealed, but it was there. All right, I'll ask you, is individual selection of individuals today in the Old Testament? It's not there. 
you're not going to find one prophecy about God choosing certain people for salvation in the Old Testament. What you will find is, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many people? No, many nations. Oh my goodness, this is about nationalities. I will call a people, plural, a group, a a people who are not my people, my people. That's what's in the Old Testament, not individual selection. In the Old Testament, you find God's secret plan to unleash the gospel on all nations so that anyone and everyone can be saved. All right. Here it is. If we didn't get it before, he's shoving it in our face now. Look, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You may spend the next 50 years of your life hearing the word predestination. If you take a snapshot of verse 6, you've got it defined. This is the definition of predestination. This is the predestined mystery now revealed. To be specific, folks, here it is. That the Gentiles, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, everybody that Paul wrote and more, the Americans, Canadians, Mexicans, you name it, everybody you can think of and more, They are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise. What promise? The promise to Abraham. What was the promise? Father of many nations. It's about people groups, not individuals. It's about the we, not the me. You see it? And so we have got some rethinking to do. It's so simple, it's in our face, and it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, it's God's heart, it's God's plan, and it brings everybody together. Now, Paul's excited because he's in charge of it. Of which, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. I get to oversee this thing. I get to be the the apostle to the Gentiles. I get to be the traveling messenger. And I'm telling you, this is God's mission that I'm on. He's pumped. He's jazzed. He's not visiting individuals. He's excited to visit cities and countries. To me, the very least of all the saints, huh, that's interesting, This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. There you have it again, the unfathomable riches of Christ. Now, why would Paul call himself the very least of all the saints? I mean, I thought I was. Didn't you think you were? Oh, Lord, I mean, I just don't deserve. I am a dirty worm, Lord. You are good and I am evil. It sounds so humble and so right. Paul murdered Christians. Just let that sink in, three words. Paul murdered Christians. Now, how big are your sins? How checkered is your past? Paul murdered Christians. 
Your problem is that you had a a rough past in school or a rough past in a marriage or a rough past where you made some mistakes and failures and, you know, you gave in to lust or you gave in to a, a critical spirit that ate up a relationship. You gave in to, you, you've done some stuff, but Paul, come on, Paul murdered Christians. What's God trying to tell you? Anytime you think your sins are so big, remember Paul killed people. Who have you killed lately? just asking. Because your sins are small and your God is big and he has qualified you. Are you obsessed with the size of your sins or will you be obsessed with the size of your savior? Paul killed Christians and he was put in charge of the whole mission. What's God trying to tell you? Huh? Maybe you're a little bit more qualified than you thought. Maybe you're a little bit cleaner and closer than you thought. Maybe God's not up in heaven freaked out about you and your performance. Paul was a murderer and God put him in charge. Now, how about you? Amazing, right? Is it not amazing to fathom? And to bring to light, here he's talking about that revelation, to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So administration, Paul's bringing his job up again, the administration of the ministry, uh, the mystery. Guess who's the administrator? (laughs) It happens to be Paul. He's going to go and be the administrator in Ephesus and Galatia and Thessalonica. Thessalonica, he is going to share this around the world. So there's an administration of the mystery, which is now revealed. It's been hidden. And notice how he tucks in at the end of that verse. Look how he tucks in. It's the God who created all things, right? He created the Romans and the Greeks and the Africans and the Asians and even the Australians. I mean, He created all things. And so now he's bringing all things back together in Jesus Christ. So that, this is pretty cool. It's about demons. This is about demons and angels. Watch this. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I have never read this verse like this before, but it's about demons and it's about angels and it's about God showing off and it's about God showing off to the angelic world through you. Look at it. Who, who is making it known? The church. Who is it being made known to? the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So I'm just going to get profound on you for one sentence here that I've never said in my life and never thought about until I studied this passage this time. And that is the true meaning of predestination is that God chose to offer the gospel to all people in order to show off for the angels. (laughs) Do you hear that? I mean, that's what he's saying. I find that 
appalling in a way. I mean, you would just lavish your grace on us and on all people, offering yourself, freely giving of your son. And one of the reasons you did it was to show off for the angels. This guy, this God has a lot of grace. He's got grace to spare. He's got grace upon grace. He's got 50 reasons to do what he did. One of them's you. One of them's the angels. He's got lots of reasons, but it comes down to love. That's what it's about. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. So now we got the word purpose, predestined purpose, eternal purpose, kept hidden, now revealed. Folks, this is predestination. This is the same message. It's a predestined purpose that's now revealed in Christ. When Jesus is lifted up, all people get wooed by God. The Holy Spirit comes so that he can convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Jesus is lifted up. The Holy Spirit goes into action, and the whole world is invited. I stand at the door of your heart and your heart and your heart and your heart, and I knock. And whoever, I don't care who it is, whoever opens the door, I will come in and live with him. No partiality. That's the truth. All right, now here's a beautiful phrase for you and me, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. I've spoken recently in this series about the measly message that's out there. There's a measly message out there. It's about literacy. If you read for 12 minutes, you'll be closer to God today. It's about literacy. If you have your devotions, if you are dedicated to your devotions, you'll be closer to God today. If you have your quiet time, you'll inch closer to Jesus just a little bit more than yesterday. Man, I love the Bible. Oh my goodness, we're teaching verse by verse. We love the scriptures. But literacy doesn't make you close. The blood of Jesus made you close. I love the scriptures. We've, we're diving into Ephesians. We're looking at every single verse in the whole letter. We love the scriptures. But let's not settle for a measly message that literacy makes you closer. The early church, most of them were illiterate. They couldn't read the word the on a page. 80% scholars think couldn't read. And yet, they took the world by storm, shared Jesus with passion. They were inspired and motivated from within, not because they had their quiet time, but because they had Jesus Christ residing in them. We have boldness and confident access through faith in Jesus, not through literacy. Read, soak it in, bask in it, read as much truth as you want, But what you're going to find in there is not a formula for daily closeness. You're going to find that you're already close through what he did, not what you're doing. All right, verse 13, I ask you not to lose heart. Please don't get discouraged because I'm locked up. Don't lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. Folks, Paul is saying you can brag about me. This isn't a negative. I'm locked up in prison, but I'm locked up in prison for you. The cause 
was getting you the gospel. So you can brag on me because Christ is working in me. And the world is always going to hate us, even to the point of locking us up sometimes. Verse 14, now we get to this prayer. And before we dive into it, I just want to say, have you ever heard about being filled with the Spirit? I mean, I heard about being filled with the Spirit when I was like 11. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, I was freaked out. I was scared to death. I mean, they, they managed to freak me out about being filled with the Spirit. I thought, I got to start speaking in some wild languages. I thought, well, I got to get glossy-eyed like i am got electricity going through me or something. I don't know. I mean, they're feeling something up there. People are flopping around on the ground. I got to flop. I got to be a flopper. <laughs> got to flop around like a fish, and then I'm filled with the Spirit. Got to let somebody knock me over. If they knock me over, slay me, slay me. Then I'll be filled. I mean, there's 10 theories about being filled with the Spirit out there. You go to 10 churches, you might get 10 ideas. Today, I dare to say, we're going to get Paul's idea on being filled with the Spirit. Now, the reason I'm so bullish about that, so adamant, is that Paul uses the phrase in Ephesians 5, he says, be filled with the Spirit. But wait a minute, we're not in Ephesians 5. We're in Ephesians 3. So we're going to get some context for what he says later. Here's what he means by being filled, and it has to do with the love of Jesus. Watch this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. That's not coincidence. The Jones family, the Smith family, all the family, the Jewish families, the Gentile families, the Greek families, the Roman families. He's above all and in all and father of all. And he's bringing you in. So this isn't coincidence that he's talking about all families. Because he's talking about all countries, all nationalities, and all humans. Now, he keeps going. He says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Oh my gosh, power. Do you feel that? You feel the buzz. There's no buzz There's no buzz. It's power to know something. It's power to know Christ's love. It's not a coming and going of electricity. It's not a visitation of God's spirit. It's not fall down into this place, fall fresh on. No, no, he doesn't need to fall fresh because he's in permanently, sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So what we're seeing here is Paul is saying, Father, I pray that you would grant them the power through your spirit to know, to know your great love. So God's love, get this, God's love is so big that we need God's power to understand it. So whatever you think that God thinks about you, you're wrong. It's just not good enough. You need miraculous power to see how good God thinks of you. It it has to be over the top and only God can reveal it. And it takes a miracle. And that's what Paul is praying. So I've asked you this before, even in this series, I believe, when's the last time you asked God to reveal his love to you? Oh, that's, uh, I mean, that's selfish. I'm praying for the people 
of the Middle East. That's noble, and I appreciate that. You don't know all of them by name, but it's very noble of you. But when's the last time, because you're kind of responsible for this area right here, and this, and the renewing of the mind, like when's the last time you asked God to reveal his great love for you? It's not selfish. It's Paul's prayer. It's not selfish. It's your destiny. You're going to learn it one way or another either now or get really surprised in heaven. Oh my goodness, it was this good? Why didn't you tell me? Psst, I did. Over and over and over. All right. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, which he does through faith, every believer. But look, he goes beyond just the indwelling, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. So everything you do comes from love. You're shocked, you're surprised, you're blown over by the love of Christ. And it, it, look at what, what words he uses. I like to say it's ginormous, that you would be able to comprehend the ginormous love of Christ. He says, comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And we sing deep and wide, right? We've got it down to a song. But are we really, really fixated on the ginormous love of Jesus? You need power to understand it. That's Paul's prayer for you and me and for all the saints that we would get it, get his love. And to know the love which surpasses knowledge that you, look at this, what's being filled, what is being filled about? That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And then later, two chapters later, Paul says, don't get drunk, be filled with the Spirit. And everybody's scratching their head, what does that mean? Don't get drunk, why'd you even bring up alcohol? What does alcohol do for you? What is, why do people drink too much alcohol? Stress, they're looking for peace, they're looking for solitude. They're looking for uh, a place, a refuge. What does the love of God do for you? Brings you peace, a place of uh, refuge in the love of Jesus. What Paul is saying later in Ephesians 5 is the same thing he's saying here. Don't look to a liquid for peace of mind. Look to the love of Christ for peace of mind. Have a glass of wine, white, red if you prefer, red's better. But do you see what he's saying? He's saying that you can be motivated and inspired by the love of Jesus. Now, let me address the elephant in the room. I mean, the elephant in the room is I've already got the Spirit. So why did Paul say be filled with the Spirit? It's be being filled, right? Why is it progressive? Do you understand the love of God perfectly right now? I don't. So you're going to be understanding the love of Christ. You're going to be being inspired by the love of Jesus. You're going to be being filled with the Spirit, not as you get more of him, but as you understand the love, the ginormous love of Jesus Christ. That's lifelong. We'll be doing that in eternity. We'll be, we'll be learning in heaven. So it is progressive, but get this, it's not getting more of Jesus. We're sealed with him forever. All right, we'll finish up a couple of verses. Now, 
to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Is this, Jesus, change my job. Jesus, fix my circumstance. Somebody comes along, well, he will. He'll be sure to change your job. He'll be sure to change your circumstance because he is able to do more than you ask, think, or imagine ever. He promises it. No, that's not what this is. You may be stuck in the same job for quite some time. You may be in prison. You know a guy who was in prison who wrote this? Look at where the power is. The last phrase. According to the power that works where? In. He's not promising that all this will change. Not right now. This will change someday, but not right now. This is still, please don't miss this as we close, this is still about his love. He is able to reveal his love in you more than you could ever imagine. He is able to reveal his love to you and work his love in you and through you more than you could ever think in your wildest imagination. That's what he's saying. It's not about circumstance. Pray about your circumstances. I'm not saying don't let your requests be known, but be open-handed because Jesus said, if there's a plan B, I'll take it. I'll take it, Father, but not my will. Your will be done. Open-handed. You can't have promised circumstances, but you do have a promise. He is powerfully and unpredictably at work in you no matter what. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ, to all nations, to all generations, to all peoples, to everybody, forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this gospel. We, maybe some of us, I mean, I grew up thinking it was profound to sort of reinvent the gospel with a whole new set of terminology, a whole new set of words. But this right here, all by itself is profound, that you would show off for demons and show off for angels, both yours and those fallen, that you would show off by Jesus going to the cross and inviting anyone and everyone, that you would show the fulfillment of prophecy, that Abraham would be the father of many nations. But this big takeaway that you're with us and in us and we're all invited and when we're in you, your love shocks and surprises and you never let up and you're always working. Even when the outside is painful, you're in. You're always in and always with us no matter what. We love you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.